privilege to be speaking on this journey the church has been taking through the book of uh, Ephesians. This is my favorite book in the whole Bible. I love this book. When I was given an opportunity to speak, I am going to be speaking later. I'll tell you what I'll be talking about. I, list, I wasn't here last Sunday, so I listened in from the website on what Katie was speaking from chapter 1. Uh, again, my favorite chapter of Ephesians. I, I, I just found out, because I'm going to speak on chapter 2, that chapter 2 is now my new favorite chapter. Yeah. The book of Ephesians tells me what was, what things were like before, what it means. I am a very logical person. I, I, I like understanding from first principles. Uh, I think that's part of my first life. And it tells you what then happened and what that finally means. And I feel that there's no book in the Bible that summarizes it that well, that tells me exactly what's happening in my life. So Katie took us through chapter 1 and left us on a cliffhanger. I just, it's a cliffhanger because it talks about and, and, and God placed everything in Christ after setting us up with Christ and giving everything and giving it all at the feet of Jesus. And, and Katie left. That was the end of chapter 1. So she leaves it hanging and that's where I come in. So today I will be taking us to uh, chapter 2, which is uh, uh, one that talks about how we were made alive in Jesus. It's so hazy. Every verse you read, you feel like it's a complete summary in its own self. But we will attempt to break down the first 10 verses. And so today we'll be talking about being made alive in Christ. And our portion will be from... Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. Let me just give a, a bit about Ephesus, about this, this portion we're going to read. The book of, Ephesus, of Ephesians was written by Paul. It was a letter written by Paul to the church, to Christians in Ephesus. Uh, and if you're not a Christian this morning, you may feel like, okay, that's, this book is not about me. But I, like I say, it's so beautiful because it tells you how things were before people made a choice to become Christians and what happened when they became Christians. So even you, you're catered for today in this message. Ephesus is today located in Southeast. It's on the West Coast near the Aegean Sea. Uh, it was, like London, a city big city. Everyone who studies about Ephesians is amazed at the way the city was. That's, we're talking about 60 AD, many years ago. And yet the city was super organized. It had business centers, it had museums, it had Colosseums or, or, or what you call, we, we call them uh, stadiums. Thank you. <laughs> I like to preach when you're there, then. <laughs> yeah. It had stadiums. It had water systems, underground water systems. Very developed. Business was booming. A little bit like London. They didn't have bread today. It was a strategic capital of the Roman Empire in that part of Asia Minor, which, was, which is what Turkey was called. 
it is here that Paul planted a church with three or two of his friends, Aquila and Priscilla. It's, it's believed to have been one of the biggest churches, and the pastor who was left behind was Pastor Timothy. Now, if you've read about the book of Timothy, Timothy was the guy they left in, in charge of that church initially. It's believed to have been a huge church going up to 50,000 people. Very big at the time. Big church, big city, modern city, very cosmopolitan, all sorts of people there. Lots of religion, lots of science, lots of development. New discoveries are hard for trade, innovation, philosophy, and science. Incidentally, those are not the places where the Word of God thrives the most. But that's where I feel we find ourselves here in London. It's a little bit like Ephesus. So I think that this book is really, really relevant to us. The things it addresses are really as relevant to us as it were for them. I thought in my end of the introduction, this introduction, to also mention that Ephesus today is more of a a UNESCO World Heritage Center. It's a tourist site. We don't know them for being a big church. We don't go there to learn new worship songs. We don't go there to learn how to pray. We don't go there anymore to see the work of God. We don't. And so, it is a warning to us. We don't want that someday people will look back and say, there was a church in London. There were people who worshipped Jesus. And so, let's get into the scripture then. We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 2. And if you have your Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2. If you have a, a tablet or a phone, I think again, guys have made it easy for us. It is a long passage, but let's enjoy the Word of God. Let's, let's allow every word to, to, to find a home in our hearts. Chapter 2 from verse 1, we shall move on to verse 10. It's coming up on the screen. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incorporable riches of his grace expressed 
in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from, them, from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of God. Amen. Let's try and, and, and uh, unpack so much in here. Let's unpack a few things out of this brilliant passage. I have got Milo technology here uh, because even us, we exist. First of all, from verse 1, I thought to stop a little bit. It says, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions. I want to apologize on behalf of Paul. He didn't have the British polish. Because today, if you tell a British person, you are dead in your transgressions, go like, oh, excuse me. What are you talking about? That's rude. I'm sorry for Paul. He didn't have your polish, guys. Uh, but he was making a point. So don't be offended. Don't throw away the baby with the bath water. Let's get the, bath, the baby out. And the baby here is honestly, we're dead in transgressions. What's a transgression? A transgression is when we go beyond established boundaries. So if you find a mark, a marking on the road and it says for disabled, if you park there, you've committed transgression because you move away from where people who are not disabled park to a place where they don't park. If you find a gate at my house and you get over it without my permission, you transgress. You go over established boundaries. Because he uses the word transgressions and sin in the same line, I thought I would separate them the two things. And sin simply means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. So you pass marks to go so your GSEs was 72, and sadly you got 69. You just missed the mark. The past mark for promotion was you would sell up to this amount of money, and you sold just below. You missed the mark. It's a little different from transgressions. But all of us were dead in transgressions. All of us, all of us were, who were born, were born in Adam. Your wonderful baby, born a sinner. When you see that baby, it looks so cute and so nice. Yes, but it was born in us. If you were born, you were born a sinner. This is what Paul is trying to say here. But God made some provisions for you. Not to stay like that. If we are born a sinner, we were dead. Basically, we are born dead. What does that mean if we are born? How can we be dead? Well, dead in transgression is our default. We are unable to do... We, we just respond by revenge. We, res, we are vindictive. We are selfish. It's just natural for us. And Jesus makes a 
little bit of an explanation to help us understand in the story of the prodigal son. Now, if you do not know the story of the prodigal son, we talk about a, a father who was a rich man. He had two sons. The younger son decides that he wanted his inheritance. And the father, I have, I hope, reluctantly give him, gives him his inheritance. And the young man goes away in a far country to drink, engages in all kinds of sexual behaviors and drugs and wastes the money. He began to be in luck, find, looked for jobs, couldn't get a job, couldn't get food. Things got really bad for him until one day he decides to go back home. And the father receives him and throws a big party. And the son who was home wondered, is this how you reward misbehavior? I have been around and you've not done anything for me. And here is what the father says, which is what I want to get our point from. My son, your brother was dead. Your brother was lost. He's now found. So dead in Christ, is, this story helps us to understand what Jesus is thinking of being dead in Christ means. It really means absent from the Father. Unable to relate to God. Unable to sense God. Unable to relate to to, to, to operate under the authority, under the covering of the Father. As a son to this rich man, this young man might have had a ring, and we see that the Father gives him a ring. That ring permitted him to go to the trading center, and he would buy and put a thumb and say, I'm sworn to his son. When he was gone, he didn't have that right anymore. So being made alive, this boy was made alive, when he was dressed up again and given a ring. And in the same way, Paul is trying to say to us that we need to understand that in the past, by default, we were born like that boy, the prodigal son. But God accepts us back. God wants us back so that we can be able to sense Him, to be switched on, to be made alive, and to hear Him. If you're here and you have not come to know Jesus as Lord, and you haven't, you don't understand this thing called Jesus, how do I live? I think everybody's like me. They have dress like me. They walk like me. What's the difference? The difference, my friends, is that when you come to know Jesus, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now you have certain permissions. Now you can engage in certain things. And that brings us to the second part of this verse, in which you lived when you were under, when you followed the ways of this world out and the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You see, there is no way a person who hasn't come to know Christ can engage with a spiritual realm. And the spiritual realm is real, whether you want to believe it or not. And sometimes we diagnose it and we use science to explain away all kinds of conditions. But we might see that we have to agree that the spiritual realm is real. That there are forces in the spiritual realm that affect us today. And without that authority of sonship, 
you cannot engage with that spiritual realm. If there's any other reason, I would give you. This is one reason to want to come alive in Christ Jesus. Most of us will see that Jesus addressed so many miracles. Many of Jesus' miracles addressed demons. And the question is, did the demons die with Jesus? How come we never address them today? The boy who was, whose father brought whose father, the father brought a boy to Jesus, and this boy used to be thrown in hot water and had convulsions. And Jesus speaks to this demon. The guy who had demons, a demoniac in Gennesaret, Jesus speaks. Even before he dies, the demons are screaming and they're running into the sea. We have that power when we come to know Jesus. If you have not received Jesus as Lord, these are some of the things you're missing. You can get cured using Panadols or paracetamol, but you could be healed using a word. You can deal with depression and stress and all kinds of things using medicines, but you could be healed by the word of God, by speaking into that situation. You can beat cancer using all kinds of new uh, technologies, but you could beat cancer by the word and the authority of Christ if you take on this ring we're talking about. So Paul is making a distinction in saying, all of us, we're dead, and we're reacting to the world like everybody reacts. When something happens, we find a good explanation for it. But sometimes we need to stop and say, wait a minute, what authority do I have? What authority do I have? I, in our family, we, we have made a decision to keep no corner for medicine. No medicine corner. We don't sit and expect that now it's pollen time. We're going to get sick. A friend of mine told me when we were moving to the UK that you need to take a lot of medication because your body is not used to no sun. So you need to get supplements. It's very useful to get that information. I say, thank you, because now you armed me. So I know what to speak against. I've not taken supplements. And uh, I'm all right. I think I'll, I'll continue to be all right. point I'm making is you can make a choice. This thing is about choice. We must all make a choice. If you can get to the next slide, brother. We must all make a choice. Are you going to live like everybody lives, respond to life like everybody responds to it? Or do you recognize that in you is something else? When we move on the tube and we're all squeezed together, or we are on the bus and running and queuing, or do you know that all these people are here, but in you is something else? And how does that something else manifest? How do you grow on it? And the power is in your hands as we will see as we move forward. Your experience in life depends on who you are in. I'll give you an example. So, I have this Bible. Let's assume this Bible is Jesus. And when you read this portion, it has a lot of in Jesus, in Christ. It's not about you, it's in Jesus. Because that's the moral of the story. In this Bible, I have a paper. Let's assume this paper is Jesus. When 
I'm in Jesus, this is what happens. What you see, you don't see the paper. If I take this Bible to Uganda, where I come from, where would the paper be? You've been in Uganda. If I dunk this Bible in the water, my paper, the, me, the paper in here will be in the water. When we are in Christ Jesus, we are like Jesus. Do you know there's a Bible verse which says, in this world you are like Jesus? First John 4, 7. In this world you are like Jesus. You can't do so, all sorts of things that Jesus did. And so we must decide, are we going to live in Christ or are we going to live based on what we have learned, based on the neighborhood, based on how people respond? We'll get a little bit into that as we move forward. Second point I'd like to make from what we've just read is from uh, verse uh, 4. Verse 4 says, if you turn with me to verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we are dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So we were made alive, like I've demonstrated, not because of our own self. We have authority, we have capacity, not because we're educated, not because we're found in this first world, but basically because we are in Jesus. And you can see many times in this portion, the basis of our ability to counter spiritual opposition is purely because of our position in Christ Jesus. The basis for that young man to be able to get a signet ring, to be able to get his coat back, was because he was now back under the authority of his daddy. If you're here and you haven't found Jesus, these are some of the literal things you're missing. But if you're here and you know Jesus, hey, just a reminder this morning, this hope hour lies inside of you. You have a signet ring. You have a covering. When you walk in the streets, even the demons know you. You do know yourself. This morning, I thought we'd remind ourselves of that. We have been made alive by the grace of God, not by our own effort. A little bit like an electric wire. An electric wire can't transmit electricity. It can transmit current. And that current can make a blender move, which can make the cooker come on, which can get the lights on. But that wire in itself has to be made alive. There has to be a source. And we are that wire. We are that transmission material, that conductor. And the source is available. Why is the why is the motor not running well? Why is why are things not working as we would like them to work? Our source doesn't run dry. Our source is Jesus. When I was reading this portion, I was really challenged. Challenged at the things that are not working in my life. And I said.
saying to myself, this should work because I am a conductor. And beside me, at the front of me, is a source, and that source has ability to change things. Peter and John, they're walking one afternoon, and they meet a man at the temple called Beautiful. They call my daughter Beautiful. They, they find the temple at the temple beautiful. And it's this, silver and gold, we don't have. But it's something we have. We have electricity moving through us. And the guy walks. I think we have that power. We have that authority. What we need is to recognize it. What we need is to be reminded. So if there's anything today from the book of Ephesians, Paul is reminding the believers in Ephesus. And he's telling them, in you, there's such authority. Before you panic, before you look for counselors, and uh, before you look for all kinds of uh, therapies, have you considered the power that is at work in you? In last week, uh, uh, in chapter 1, uh, Katie read for us, he says that power is incorporeal. It's like the working of a mighty strength that God exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That power is like the working of a mighty force. That power is at work in us today. And we still see it at work in us today. And a lot of testimonies, we have had them here before. And this, these testimonies, I wanted to challenge us. These testimonies shouldn't be, re, be, be constrained to healings. And, uh, uh, but even in a marketplace, we can influence markets. We can influence business. We can influence politics. Because we come with a special something around us. I've personally witnessed this power at work. I've given a testimony here, and I'll give it again. That we saw our own daughter getting sick, and she was losing sickness. Vitiligo was diagnosed. We went to the best dermatologist, and he told us, I'm sorry, Mom. He told my wife, and saw how disappointed my wife was because the guy was so blunt in his communication. He said, I look at this thing, it has attacked her, it just won't stop. What we can do is to slow down the progress. And we panicked, and we worried. And we didn't know what to do. But to cut the long story short, God came through for us. My daughter, who had different spots in the nose, in the back, on the legs, today, she's whole. And you know, this dermatologist told us of a drug. And round about a time, we we're going to leave the country to move into a, a different country. We we're not coming here. We packed the medicine. And we went to that country. I want to tell you how I got rid of medicine in my life. We packed medicine. I went to every drug store and got a lot of medicine. Bags of medicine. We moved. When we got to our destination, couldn't find the medicine. I can promise we didn't find the medicine. We left our house to our friends. We said, please, we look everywhere. They looked everywhere. The medicine was never found. And that's how we began to believe God and say, you know what? We are in this place. We 
even though they have systems. We don't know where to start. Now we have to trust God. It was as if God was forcing us to trust Him. And I guess you too have a story. I have seen rain stop when I stopped there. It said, rain, I've got to go home. I'm cycling. Now stop. I need some dry weather. And of course you have these voices, oh, don't you care about farmers? And yes, I do care about farmers, but I do care about me too. <laughs> we can invoke that power. That's my second point I really was trying to make there. And my final point is from verse 6. This book is so rich, it's so difficult to get everything together. So, next slide, brother. From verse 6, the Bible says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Let me say this in English. That God included us in Christ. And Christ is seated in the high place. Where are we? Where Jesus is. And a high place simply means you have an advantage. In war, when you're up there, the guys coming down here have a disadvantage. You are seeing them, you are on top of them. It is a position that is paternalistic. In a sense, in a spiritual realm, the way God sees us is we are in a high place. We are seated there, not alone, but with Christ. And like I said, on a cliffhanger we were left on with chapter 1, the Bible talks about how we are seated in Christ and it placed everything at His feet. Where we are seated up with Christ, there is everything that we need. And here is what verse 7 says. In order that in the coming age we must show. We must show. This is not a request to show. The idea of demonstrating the kingdom of God is what God has in mind. The things God has done so that we may display the authority of heaven, the glory of Jesus here on earth. And I put a picture of a stadium here, and I'm saying we have made alive so we can showcase the kingdom of God. Where are you on the stand? Do you have a relative who has been suffering and you've been uncomfortable because the rest of your family members don't believe in this God of yours? Is it a workmate? But is it a situation that you have been waiting to resolve itself over time? Get off the stand. Get onto the green. And do some playing, guys. God has given us everything we need. I said in 1 John 4, 17, the last piece of the verse, says, in this world we are like that WWJD, what would Jesus do? In every situation, as we walk out of this room today, let's start to sense with another sense 
beyond our smell, beyond what we see, beyond what we hear with our ears, beyond what we can taste. Let's begin to sense in another sense. What is God wanting to do around here? And what would my role be? Let's become aware of God's kingdom because we carry that in us. God did this so that we may show. You've got it. You've got it in us. You've got it in you. The kingdom of God is at work in you. When you stand at Waterloo and there's such a buzz of people, what do you see? Have you stood there one time? I know we're always quick. We're always rushing. But sometimes stop and say, what is it you're doing here? What is next? What do you want the son of yours to do? Sometimes I do crazy things like that. <laughs> what, what is it that you want to do here? And you, and you don't have to interrupt anyone. You can speak. You can just speak life. You can just say, look, all these people are rushing. I decree that they will rush into your love this morning. And you may never see what happens. But do it. Do it. Because God has expected you to release that. He wants to do things, but He wants to do it through us. When you're having a conversation, asking yourself, yesterday we had, we went to visit some friends, and, and very kind of friends who are sensitive and difficult to relate to, and, and we, before we went, we, we did make a prayer and said, God, help us, that as we speak in the middle of our words, you will sense what it is you want us to hear and what it is you want us to do. Here at church, in the breaks, just look around and see who is it that God is trying to connect with and I could be a, a partner with God. We were fitted with Christ in order that we may show the incorporable riches of His grace. We are to engage in spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare sometimes means taking a stand. We will see it in verse 6, in chapter 6, where the Bible says, having done everything, done. You say, I'm taking a position on this illness. And my position is this illness is, whether it, it was with my father and my father's father and my uncles, I say no to this illness in my, 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 my family. Now, going forward, serving with me. Take a stand. And you feel the pain and you, you feel the senses. Ignore what you feel and take a position. It's one of the best ways to engage in spiritual warfare. As we conclude our time here today, I just want us to take risks. And I think this church is big at asking us to take risks. Respond fast in the spirit. Respond fast as a spiritual person, as a spiritual man, as a man who is born again, as a woman who has the Spirit of God working in you. Begin to ask yourself at the end of your day, how did I respond to that? Did I, did I respond as a, a person with authority? Did I cower? Did I get afraid? Did I respond as anybody else would? A reasonable person would. Yeah? Where you used to respond in frustration, now respond by speaking prophetically. Where you used to vote based on your understanding of the 
political ecosystem of the United Kingdom. Why don't you vote now to that spiritual land for God? Not anyone in this place. Have you even stopped to ask? Remember, like the verse 10 says, we are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. I am registering an NGO. And one of the people I wanted to be on my board was Jesus Christ. And then I realized he has no he has no standing. He has no postcode. He has no address. In a sense, in the in the legal system of the world, he's not viable. But I am. And I carry him in me. Remember. It is Jesus, but I am in Jesus. When I show up, in a sense, if my name is on that list, then Jesus' name is on that list. I have a board member in my organization. His name is Jesus Christ, codenamed Huntington. I, I, I really want to believe that this is how we could be. We could start conquering in our work. We could start conquering in our marriages. So I've talked about three things today. I, I have uh, said that in this portion, every one of us was born, everyone living today was under the control of evil. But Christ made us alive, and he made us alive by grace. They didn't do anything. So don't, don't look back and say, what did I do? What, what, why should I? No, 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 no. You, you're just in him. Because you're in him, when he goes to Canada, you go to Canada. We're made alive, finally, to showcase the kingdom of God. We are his workmanship. We are his people. can exercise this new life before we go even before we leave this room tonight this morning uh, all of us have that electricity that spiritual electricity flowing in us it's the new nature let's take the occasion to release it in this ministry time now I would like you to just bow your head and close your eyes just engage with what we just said. If you are here and uh, you haven't come to know this Jesus we are, I am babbling about, today is your day. You don't have to leave this room. You can activate that power because you are a wire. You can activate and link into that source. And the word is near you. All you need to say, come into my life, Lord Jesus, and be my master. Then you get of the sun, and you too will be of the flame.